It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash futureinvestor slash radio. More than a dozen states quickly embraced new CDC guidelines that say fully vaccinated Americans can ditch their masks and forego social distancing in most cases. But the sudden change has led to questions and concerns from those who say there's no easy way for businesses and others to determine who's fully vaccinated and who's not. Joining me is Rob Fuller, a partner with Nelson Hardiman. So, The new CDC guidance came as a surprise to many health and state officials. Should it have been done so seemingly abruptly? Well, I think the the guidance itself was science-based. The problem, I think, is messaging. You know, we're on the honor system, whether you've had a vaccination or not. The guidance, based on a study of 4,000 healthcare workers, uh, basically proved the efficacy of the vaccines. The, The vaccinations work. They protect you against serious COVID disease. And so when compared to additional safety you might get by continued mask wearing and social distancing, uh, it was negligible, not measurable in the study. Uh, So the guidance did follow the science. Unfortunately, uh, like here in California, we don't have very many people vaccinated in the big scheme of things. Uh, More than 60% of the people remain unvaccinated. So it's confusing for business owners and everyone else that, you know, if you let 100 people in your store, statistically, you know, that more than 60 of them are unvaccinated. And so you, you know, for the safety of your own workers, might well consider uh, continuing uh, a mask mandate on your own, uh, regardless of what is the public perceived CDC guidance that masks are no longer necessary. Well, also, it seems like there are problems because the state guidance is different from the CDC guidance. So you mentioned California is one place where that is true. Until today, New York is now going to lift its state mask mandate. But in other states, there's a conflict. So what do businesses do? Yeah, I think it's a messaging conflict, though. And when they lift their mask guidance in New York today, for instance, it still recommends that if you're unvaccinated, that you continue to wear a mask. Uh, It just wasn't going to be a a matter of of requirement. Uh, CDC guidance also continues mask wearing for public transportation and plane travel. Uh, But a a, a private business person is in a tough situation. Obviously, you want to cater to the customer, but you also, under OSHA and other laws, have a duty to keep your workforce safe. And knowing that most people are not vaccinated yet, if you're a business owner, you, you could just very sanely decide that that the best thing for now for another month or two is to continue to require masks and of course that uh, produces what we see on tv with angry uh, uh, maskless people being denied entrance to certain stores that have decided to do that because of all the prior politicalization and and, you know guidance shifting quickly Uh, it is a messaging mess and, and leaves the individual business person in quite a quandary 
the guidance from the CDC was rolled out on Thursday. OSHA hasn't substantially changed its masking recommendations in almost four months. That's correct. OSHA will err on the side of worker safety and will be much slower than the than other agencies in, in recommending discontinuation of masks. And I think, you know, common sense would tell you that if most people are still unvaccinated, it probably makes sense to keep masks on the uh, uh, requirement list uh, in the workplace for at least a little while longer until most people uh, become vaccinated. And then, you know, the, the issue is that the masks work, you know, despite the, the, the prior politicization of, of, of whether mask wearing was, you know, taking away my freedom and all that stuff. If you look at any large Asian city, the deaths from COVID are just a small fraction of what we experience in the United States. Uh, New York City had 32,000 deaths and Los Angeles had 24,000 deaths. If you look, uh, you know, Hong Kong had 200 deaths, Singapore, 31 deaths. Even Tokyo, which you know, quote, had a problem, is fewer than 2,000 deaths, uh, less than one-tenth of what Los Angeles experienced. So, you know, the, it's kind of a, a, a large data point that we have is, is that the masks really work. And I think the way to look at the CDC guidance is that, okay, once you're vaccinated, you've got just as much protection as the mask, so you really don't have to you know, wear the mask. But they, in my view, didn't emphasize enough that the vaccination was the key to demasking. And, you know, the average person hears, okay, masks aren't required anymore, CDC says so, and they skip over the point of, of whether you're vaccinated or not. And uh, I think that's unfortunate, and that's what we're um, looking at here. Do you think part of the reason for the new CDC guidance was to encourage people to get vaccinated? Yeah, that was part of the thinking uh, from what the the public spokesperson said and and, uh, Dr. Walensky, that, you know, okay, you can now discard the mask if you're vaccinated. And I just don't think that was a strong enough message. It was there. But it should have been the headline, you know, it should have been the lead, as they used to say, and, and, and not buried. It really, I think, got buried that the, the trade-off for no mask is getting the shot. And there's no question in my mind that's what they're trying to accomplish. And so they're trying to incent people to get the shot so then you can, even under the honor system, get yourself free of the mask. And Americans just aren't good at the honor system or, or that smart, right? I think. We've proved that in really addressing these serious public health issues and wearing the mask when they should have. So I think for any excuse not to wear a mask, people are going to do it. And if you're challenged, there's no vaccine passport, you just say, hey, I got vaccinated, and you're good to go. But that's not really what people should be doing. They should be very serious about getting the shot before discarding the mask. Also, is the CDC guidance, is it a little confusing? Does it address, you know, what you have to do when you're on an airplane or yes. schools? Well, schools, schools, they left local. The areas that they, there were three areas they said you still needed to wear masks no matter what. Airplanes, healthcare facilities, and public transportation. And I think that's just a recognition that the vaccination rates are just not high enough to support a full demasking of the public at this point. Uh, but again, I was disappointed in the emphasis and the messaging that, that that really didn't come through, at least to what I read and heard over the last couple of days. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union criticized the CDC for failing to consider how the new policy would affect grocery store workers who have to deal with customers who are not vaccinated. Right. And there's no way you can force them to wear a mask, really. If, you know, if, if the store management isn't going to make, continue a firm masking policy at the front door, which many of them are not. You know, if you have a thousand people go to a grocery store right now, 600 of them at least are unvaccinated. So there's going to be continued spread of of COVID and that exposes the the workers. I mean, the only good news for the workers is the same for everyone else. If you get your shot, the data show from the study that CDC relied on that 
you are extremely well protected against serious disease. It's, it's a kind of everyone for themselves sort of thing right now. This weekend, walking around in New York City, I'm fully vaccinated, and I assume a lot of other people are, but every time you want to go into a store or somewhere, you have to put the mask on anyway, because most of the stores are requiring masks still. It gets to be, well, why even bother taking it off when I'm walking around outside? Yeah, there is an element of that, and, and we're in a transition period. And I just think, you know, if, if this advice had come out, you know, a month from now or, or you know, middle to late June, when maybe hopefully 60, 65, 70 percent of the population is vaccinated, uh, then I think people would have felt a lot more comfortable in going maskless and businesses uh, probably would have had less of a requirement. But it's, it's very, very conflicting right now for a business owner when you know 60 or so percent of the people are not vaccinated and you're exposing your, your workforce and you, you really can't require your workforce to get vaccinated either, but you can encourage everyone to get vaccinated, and that's about the best you can do. And it just is going to be messy for another six weeks or so, in, in my view. So for employers, can employers ask employees to give them information about you know whether they've been vaccinated or not, or does that impinge on their privacy rights? Yeah, that varies by state. Uh, if the uh, employer is paying generally for health care, the employer under the federal law um, has the right to know about the employee's health status just because they're a payor. Uh, so there's, there's you know, some ability of the employer to gain information in that regard. Some states have more strict laws, however, and, and make it on a need-to-know only basis. And right now, you know, I think employers can ask most places, but the employee isn't required to tell them or to get the vaccination. And I think that's going to change. Um, you know, it's a subtle but important difference as to the status of the shots. Right now, none of the shots are fully uh, authorized by the FDA. They're, they're under the emergency use authorization, which is different from full accepted authorization. And once the um, FDA moves and, and has full accepted authorization, then there are jurisdictions in which employers will be able to mandate that employees get the shot or school districts will be able to mandate that uh, uh, youngsters get the shot before going back to school. So th- that's coming. It's, it's just not quite there yet because the vaccinations are not fully approved by the FDA at this point. You know, at the beginning, I heard a lot more talk about herd immunity. Are they giving up on herd immunity? No, I mean, the, the problem with herd immunity is that it's, it's, it's neither herd nor immune. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we have, unfortunately a virus that is uh, highly mutagenic, and there are new variants being created every day. So the the number of people who have to be fully vaccinated at a period of time when the virus is stable was thought maybe to be, you know, in the 50, 60 percent, but, but what I've read recently, it's more like 85, 90 percent, because the stability of the virus is very short-lived, it, it mutates, and then the uh, number of interactions that people have, are, given the transmissibility of the uh, virus, just you know, overwhelms what's called the R number, the ability to transmit it. You know, if, if we could all, it, it's funny, but if we could all lock ourselves in a closet for 14 days, this entire thing would go away. Really? Um, yeah, because it wouldn't be transmitted, and the virus would die in its host within 14 days. What about the variants? Well, yeah, they're a big problem. I mean, that's that's the giant unknown. So the, the two unknowns we have and why you shouldn't throw out your mask quite yet are, one, how long the antibodies uh, and T-cell response from the vaccinations persist. Everyone's hoping it's years. Um, 
but it, it may be only a few months, and, and we don't have that data point yet because people haven't been vaccinated that long. Um, they're hoping a robust T-cell response uh, continues for years in, in the vaccinations, and that would be terrific news. Uh, but we don't know yet. We won't know for you know a year or two as to what the persistence rate is. The second giant unknown is is how the variants are going to affect both transmissibility and and the ability to um, uh, create serious or fatal disease. And so we have to be prepared that uh, one of these variants is going to skip over the protection of the vaccine and basically set us, you know, at at, at day zero again. Uh, it's like a new virus being spread. And that's the problem with unvaccinated people is that they're like little mini laboratories for, for the mutation of the virus. Now, the, the, the silver lining in the virus that might skip over the current vaccines is that uh, the scientists have done a darn fine job in creating these platforms. And they can quickly uh, develop a booster shot or additional vaccine that would be able to get on top of, of most any variant that would come you know, our way. So it's I think going to become something like the flu shot situation where you get one every year. It's not a great match, but it keeps you from getting really sick. And I think the COVID situation is going to be a lot like that, where it's going to continue to flourish. I mean, you know, there are parts of the world that have no vaccine yet. So, I mean, there's literally hundreds of millions of people who are uh, able to get the disease, transmit it, and create mutations. And so new versions of it are going to be coming up for years to come uh, at this rate. And, and it's going to be a couple of years before we get the vaccination worldwide in a significant enough number of people to to get on top of it. And that's including keeping on top of variants. So, you know, we're in a nice kind of if you've been vaccinated. You're in a good spot right now. And all the variants seem to be um, reactive to the existing vaccines. Um, but that could change. And it's not the end of the world. Uh, but we, you know, need to be vigilant and to, um, uh, you know, follow guidance if it, if it turns out one of these variants is, is, is not captured by the existing vaccines. Well, do we even know, do we need to get booster shots within six months? I've we been don't hearing know different, yeah, that sort of is another problem, a big problem. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's a big problem. But, but I mean, we've, we've only, I mean, the, the first person vaccinated in the United States was in November. So, I mean, this is only six months right now. So if we go find that person and take their blood and analyze it, we can kind of figure out how much, you know, persistence there is. But there's, there's, there's such a small group of people in November, it's really going to be more like the summer or this fall before we'll have enough people with the vaccines to be able to analyze how persistent the antibodies were and how persistent the T-cell response was. So that that data point as to how persistent this stuff is will be coming later this year. But again, we'll only know that it's at least good for six months or at least good for a year and it'll be an ongoing study as to you know how long you have to keep going and whether you need booster shots and my, my expectation is the antibodies are going to go away within a year and we're all going to have to get as i said the annual shot just like the flu shot vaccine passports i mean people were saying that wearing a mask took away their liberty and their rights and vaccine passports seem to be even a step up from that but do you think that's the only way to really tell? Because the honor system, I don't know about the honor system. You know, think think that the politicalization of the masking and the and the passports is nonsense. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a health issue. Either you're going to take care of yourself or you're not. If you don't want to, fine. I'm not going to think a whole lot less of you, but it's pretty dumb, given that there's a fatal disease out there that you can prevent. 
but it, I have got no question in my mind if, if President Trump had stood up and said, you know, folks, we have a situation here. We all got to wear masks and socially distance for a few months while the scientists get on top of this. We would have had a much different outcome in the United States. We would have had hundreds of thousands of fewer deaths. And it, it's as simple as that. You know, he enabled a whole bunch of people into, frankly, some not great thinking on the problem that this was somehow a elimination of freedom. We didn't have that problem in 1918 with, with the flu that came through. People all masked up. They wanted to mask up. They wanted to, you know, keep themselves healthy. You know, this this, this nonsense that you, you're entitled to not keep yourself healthy. Okay, fine. But that's that's kind of a silly thought, right? I mean, you just go out and step in the street and hope the bus doesn't run you over just because, well, I'm, I've got to be free to walk in the street. No, there's, there's sensible limitations on what you can and can't do. And, and wearing a mask during a time of pandemic is a sensible limitation, in my view. And, and it's got nothing to do with freedom. It's got to do with sensibly taking care of yourself and taking care of others. But enough for the message, but it's, it, it's going to be a problem because there's always going to be unvaccinated people who will continue to, as I said, generate these mutations of the, vi- of the virus. Finally, some states are offering, like Ohio, offering to give a million dollars to five vaccinated lottery winners. And New Jersey was offering a a beer with a vaccination. Do you approve of those? Yeah, absolutely. Anything to get shots in arms. It's only going to be to our our global benefit. I mean, we, we have to get shots in our own arms. We have to get shots in all the arms in Africa and Asia. You know, and it's going to be a multi-year project. This virus will persist long after, you know, the next few weeks. And it's next few weeks is going to be confusion in America as, as shop owners and business owners try to figure out whether to bring workforces back and what the rules of the road are going to be. But the only way to really get on top of it is to get, you know, a vast majority of the population vaccinated against this thing. Thanks, Rob. That's Rob Fuller, a partner at Nelson Hardemanberg. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Can employers legally separate vaccinated and unvaccinated workers by shift or floor, for example? And if they can, is it a good idea? Joining me is Bloomberg Law labor and employment reporter Paige Smith. Can employers generally require workers to get a COVID-19 vaccine? Yes, absolutely. So I think that, you know, as more vaccines become widely available, generally and legally, most employers really can require workers to to receive the vaccine upon returning to, to work. But you know, I would say that those mandates have been sort of rare, um, and there are a lot of workplaces that are going to continue to have a, a sort of mix of vaccinated workers and unvaccinated workers. But legally, employers can require that. So now the question, can employers legally separate vaccinated and unvaccinated workers? Definitely. So 
we've been hearing from a number of attorneys that they'd been fielding requests from employers about whether they could segregate, you know, vaccinated from unvaccinated workers. So we decided to sort of dig into it with, with this. But the answer that we sort of found was that, yes, employers can legally separate vaccinated workers from unvaccinated workers, whether it's by, you know, having a shift that is of unvaccinated workers or having a floor for vaccinated workers. There's sort of a a few ways that people could feasibly do that. But um, what we also found is that folks are sort of cautioning against it. And there has been recent guidance that says that fully, if you're fully inoculated against COVID-19, folks can mostly shed their masks in the workplace. But um, legally, yes, workers can be separated based on their vaccination status. So now, are there any risks for example, if a worker won't get vaccinated because of religious reasons or religious objections, could that worker then file some kind of lawsuit if that worker is segregated? So any sort of decision like this um, in the workplace comes with some comes with some legal risks. But I think that for in this situation, segregating workers definitely poses some um, discrimination risks because there are workers who can't get vaccinated because of health reasons or for um, because of religious objections, for example. So, you know, if you have a worker who won't receive the shot based on disability or religious belief, um, then they could theoretically come back and say to the employer, you know, you are discriminating against me because of um, because of that. Or um, if those workers, I should be clear, if those workers suffer negative consequences, as a result of being segregated because of their disability or religious um, belief, for example, they they could bring allegations of discrimination against an employer. So one lawyer told you that any company contemplating, even contemplating a separation policy should survey workers. What kind of survey would you do? That's a good question. I think part of it as well is we are, we're not totally sure at this point in time how many employers have contemplated separating workers based on, on vaccination status. Um, we haven't heard um, of this sort of being a widely implemented policy. So I can't speak exactly to what sort of survey would be conducted, but we do know that employers are thinking about this and that they have asked their attorneys how they should proceed. And employers are allowed to ask employees if they've been vaccinated? Correct, correct. If employers wish to ask employees whether they've been vaccinated, they need to do so in a way that asks all employees. So, you know, you sort of can't single out one or two employees and ask, have you been vaccinated? It needs to be sort of a company-wide and business-related inquiry. You talked to Nicole Greeson. Director of Occupational Hygiene and Safety for the Duke University Mm -hmm. Health System said it's just not worth the logistical hassle of trying to separate vaccinated and unvaccinated workers. What did she mean? You know, if you're in a workplace and you're going to go through the process of separating these workers, you know, that's that's quite a culture shift just from, you know, legal considerations aside. That's a huge culture shift to say, okay, you're on the unvaccinated shift. Have a great work day. Um, I think that is that's sort of what was um, what was implied. But I should also say that a number of experts pointed out that 
you know, dividing workers wouldn't really be feasible and also might not make sense from a health and safety standpoint because, you know, workers who are fully vaccinated and not wearing masks are already at a low risk of infection and, you know, mixing them in with unvaccinated workers who are wearing masks wouldn't necessarily increase infection risk. That's at least what um, the health and safety experts told us. So, Paige, did most of the lawyers you spoke to think that you could separate workers, but it just wasn't a good idea to do that? Correct. Exactly. That was sort of the takeaway. It's the idea that legally you're permitted to do it. Employee Employers are asking about how they can do it and if they should do it. And lawyers are essentially saying, yes, you can do it, but it's probably not a great idea. What about OSHA? Has OSHA released any new guidance since the CDC came out with the with the guidance that people who were vaccinated can basically go maskless in most places? OSHA has said that um, that employers should essentially follow the new CDC mask guidance. So they have kind of responded after the new CDC guidance was released, but. Um, it was just sort of an, an advice to say that, um, you know, they'll be updating their materials on their website and to, for employers to check back, essentially. And you spoke to Debbie Berkowitz, the National Employment Law Project's Worker Safety and Health Program Director. And she said in some settings, there's really no way to segregate workers. Absolutely. So there are, you know, you can imagine that there are workplaces where this could be an option, for example, if you're in an office building or sort of a corporate setting, but there are also places where this just isn't feasible at all. It's, you know, kind of silly to imagine if you're in a grocery store, for example, um, you know, trying to separate your vaccinated from your unvaccinated workers, or if you're in a factory setting or in a warehouse, for example, just the idea of segregating these folks is, is not really feasible. So now some states are passing their own rules about this, and they seem yeah. to fall into two camps. So some are considering approving employers requiring proof of vaccinations before mm-hmm. workers can stop wearing a face mask. Tell us about those states and what they're thinking about doing. Yes, yeah, so there are a number of states that have sort of weighed in on this since um, you know since the CDC released its, its guidance. So um, the Oregon Occupational Safety um, agency has weighed in and, and California has weighed in as well. So Oregon, for example, issued some guidance that said that employers must verify that a worker is fully vaccinated before having them, you know, giving them the opportunity to remove face coverings and sort of ignore social distancing requirements. But, um, you know, to flip over to California, California is saying that, um, or I should say they're proposing, because it hasn't been fully approved yet, um, that an employer must have documentation to show that a worker has been vaccinated before sort of permitting them to relax um, masking and social distancing requirements. So that change, the California change, hasn't yet been fully approved. But those are sort of two examples of states weighing in on the issue. And other states are passing laws that do the opposite, that limit employers' ability to set workplace policies based on whether or not a worker is vaccinated or not vaccinated. Yes. Yeah, so, for example, on um, earlier this month, May, uh, in, on May 7th, Montana um, implemented a law that banned employers from making hiring decisions or setting rules based on vaccination status. 
are there just a few states doing this, addressing this issue? At this point in time, there are a few states that we, you know, as we sort of mentioned, that have weighed in on the issue. Um, but we can't be sure of who else might weigh in, um, especially since the CDC guidance is still relatively new. Thanks for being on the Bloomberg Law Show, Paige. That's Bloomberg Law Labor and Employment Reporter Paige Smith. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Remember, you can always get the latest legal news on our Bloomberg Law podcast. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at www.bloomberg.com slash podcast slash law. I'm June Grosso. Thanks so much for listening. Please tune into the Bloomberg Law Show every weeknight at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Bloomberg Radio. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.